You're listening to episode 50 of the Journey to Launch podcast, demystifying your finances and how to create a financial plan with Shauna Compton Game. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast with your host, Jamila Souffrant. As a money expert who walks her talk, she helps brave journeyers like you get out of debt, save, invest, and build real wealth. Join her on the journey to launch to financial freedom in, in five, four, three, two, one. Hey, 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 journeyers. Welcome back to another episode of the Journey to Launch podcast. I'm super excited to have you returning if you're a returning listener. If you're a totally new listener, hello, welcome. Thank you for joining us today. You are now entering the journeyer world and you may just become a journeyer. Hope so. By the way, journeyer is what I call people who come on this ride with me, who are on a mission to reach financial independence. On today's podcast, we are going to be talking to Shauna Compton Game. Shauna is a certified financial planner and a financial strategist on a mission to revolutionize how millennials think, act, and feel about their finances. She's also a host of the popular podcast, Millennial Money, and she helps listeners demystify money topics in a playful and approachable way. And you'll hear that in our talk today. Shauna is very down to earth, just very lighthearted in the way she approaches things. And I think that really helps when it comes to talking about finances, which can be sometimes boring and a pretty heavy subject. Not today, though, and not on this podcast. On the podcast with Shauna today, we are going to be talking about her background, why money is such a taboo subject and how we can stop making it so taboo and what her mission is when it comes to personal finance. Then we're going to dive into how you can create a financial plan, how you can get everything you need together. She's a certified financial planner, so she helps people do this in the real world. And so I wanted her to come on and let us know how does one create a financial plan? What does everything entail with that? So I really think you're going to like this and get a lot of value from this episode. If you want the episode show notes for this, go to journeytolaunch.com slash episode 50. Yes, we are at 50 episodes of the podcast. How crazy is that? We are almost at a year that the podcast has been out. I'm so excited about the growth and where it's come from the first, first episode. So thank you, listeners. If you've been here, some of you guys have been listening from the very beginning. Thank you for listening. And if you're new, thank you for giving it a try. I hope you return and you come back. If you are enjoying the podcast, if you want to support me, you can do that by going to Apple Podcasts. So that's that purple app. So if you listen to this in an Apple product and you're most likely listening to this in Apple Podcasts, then, then please take some time and leave a review. I would totally, totally appreciate it. My goal is to hit 500 reviews by the end of the year. I think as of today, I'm at about 306. So let's get that to 500. I think we can do it, Journeyers. Let's go. And if you do not listen in Apple Podcasts, totally fine. You can listen to this anywhere. And so that's on an Android phone. That's in YouTube. That's on Spotify, Stitcher, basically anywhere. So if you're trying to share this with a friend or family member, which I highly, highly encourage you can tell them all the places that they can listen to it. And you can find that also in the show notes. So go to journeytolaunch.com slash episode 50, and you'll see everywhere where you can share this out with your family and friends. 
If you want to keep in touch with me, with the podcast, follow me on social media. I'm Journey to Launch on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. There's also a Facebook community. You can go to journeytolaunch.com slash community to join. It will redirect you to Facebook or just go to Facebook, type in Journey to Launch. You'll find the Journey to Launch Facebook page, which you should like, and then you'll see where you can join the group. That way we can connect even more. Stay tuned. At the end of this episode, I'm gonna just be doing some personal updates, some announcements, so you don't wanna miss it. Now, without further ado, let's hop into this amazing chat with Shauna. Hey, Journeyers. I'm super, super excited to have a new money friend on the podcast, Shauna Compton Game. Hi, Shauna. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm so excited to be on the podcast and I'm so happy we're new money friends. I know, right? So just a quick background. We met through Bobby Rebel, who's amazing. I know she's a close friend of yours. And yes, Bobby and I are new friends also. But you know, we have forged a fast relationship. And when I met you, I was just super impressed because you also have a podcast, which we'll talk a little bit about, which is very popular and also a CFP. And you help people with their money. And I just love talking about money. So this was just a perfect setup to have a conversation. Yes, my favorite topics for sure. And what I love about your approach is you specify that you try to demystify money and all the smoke and mirrors around it that make it seem complicated. So all the financial topics and just jargon, you break it down in a playful and approachable way, which I think is very necessary in this climate and in this industry. So I wanted to talk a little bit about your background and then just your specific approaches because you're a CFP. And the one question I get asked often is about financial plans, like a comprehensive financial plan. Of course, it doesn't take away from the experts like yourself who help people create one. But if someone wanted to have one, how does that look? So before we get into all that, can you please just give a little background about yourself and your podcast? Yeah. So I started my first business when I was 19 in college, and it was a student film festival I ran for about five years and ended up selling it when I graduated. And really through that experience, I learned a lot about budgeting and managing money and all of these skills that would become the skills I needed as a financial planner later on that I didn't really know I was developing. And so after I had sold that business, I was trying to figure out what to do. And I'd always had this love for business and entrepreneurship, got my MBA and was still kind of, I don't know, trying to find my way. And my father, who's been in the financial industry his whole career, had a very boutique, small financial firm and said, hey, why don't you partner up with me and see if you like this, you know, see if this is something that interests you. We were working with clients that had a lot of money. I remember our first client that I worked with had over $100 million of assets. And so I really got to develop this well-rounded approach to thinking about finances and also see the patterns that exist in people's money situations. And I got my certified financial planning from that, opened my own boutique planning firm. But I've always had this creative side to myself and I've done a lot of speaking and writing and countless talks about money, basically anywhere I could when I first started and really love that. And through that is how I developed the idea for my podcast, Millennial Money. And 
It's been three years ever since. And it's just been, I think, a great fusion of all of my different talents all together. And then an opportunity for me to share my knowledge and what I've learned over the past 12 years being a financial planner. Right. And so I think it's interesting that your father was also in the personal finance or financial planning space. Do you believe that that helped you? I mean, I would think that he also taught you lessons growing up and you saw a good example of how to manage money for the most part. Yeah, although there were a lot of things that just weren't talked about, like we were just supposed to through like osmosis pickup. So learning about budgeting and things like that, I mean, those were all lessons that I think everybody just learns through kind of crash and burn. And I sold my business out of college, but I still had credit card debt in college. Luckily, I didn't have student loans for my undergrad, but there were still a lot of things I had to figure out on my own. But it certainly was helpful when I was getting my start in the financial career, because he had all this knowledge, he had all these skills, and he really was such a great mentor for me. We were dealing with, like I said, people with a lot of money. And the financial planning world is a world full of older men. It's just the Mm -hmm. statistics. And I walk in, I've got short bleach blonde hair. It's overcoming a lot of the stereotypes that come along with that, but also saying, I'm smart. I deserve a seat at this table. And having my father really be my mentor and kind of shepherd that experience, I think is something that is definitely so precious to me. And I feel very blessed to be able to have that. As you were talking, you talked about helping manage people who had a lot of money. It just had me thinking, did you see some mistakes that wealthy people make that people who are not maybe wealthy yet or just the average person still makes just to kind of get a little insight to their habits and what they're struggling with. The common mistake that we make is we think that if we made $200,000 or 500000 or a million or whatever that number is, that suddenly every problem would be solved. I can say firsthand from working for people that are just starting in their careers, just starting with their money to people who have millions of dollars. The really common denominator is that most people have no clue what they're spending their money on. And once there is some awareness of where their money is going every single month, I have seen really powerful shifts in people's finances where they're able then to achieve different goals that maybe they've been struggling to achieve. And sometimes the smartest money moves you can make are the things that are like just under your nose or the things that seem really obvious. So I would say not knowing where your money is going and not being able to redirect that spending. I've seen that pattern with people who make 30,000, people who make 30 million. I just worked with a couple last year who were in their 60s. They owned a business. I mean, they had a beautiful house. They had beautiful cars. They had beautiful Rolex. I mean, you name it, they had it. But under the surface, there was a lot of dysfunction. There was a lot of debt. The credit scores were all messed up. They had no idea what they were spending their money on. And it was just a mess. And they were at risk of not being able to sell their business because everything was kind of crazy. They just hadn't dealt with it. They thought, well, more money I make, the better the situation's going to be. And in their case, and a lot of people's cases, that's just not the truth. And so it's just going back to basics. And a lot of times I think we tend to overlook those things. Like we want to get to the really complicated stuff when it comes to money, but really the basics can be so powerful for you. 
I totally agree with that, which is why I do tend to talk about the basics a lot in my content, because I think no matter where you are, like you said, if you're further along on the journey to financial freedom or whether you're just getting started, you can never have too much foundation. The foundational stuff is super important to understand and know. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, when I first started my podcast, I thought, oh, you know, I'm doing a lot of budget and saving stuff. Should I be doing more complicated stuff? And then just thinking about all the people that I've worked with, it's like, this is the stuff that really stumps people, believe it or not. This is the stuff that really can make those powerful shifts. And I think sometimes you got to hear it 5 million different ways all over and over and over and over again before it starts to make sense and before you actually just start taking a step towards taking care of these basics. Totally, totally agree. And I talk about this too a lot is that it doesn't matter how much money you make. I mean, it's actually better to prepare yourself now. Maybe you're not at the higher income scale. You're still working towards that, but it's actually better to get your habits in check now before you actually start making all the money or receiving money so that you can better handle it and grow it. Absolutely. Yes. So your overall mission through your content and just what you're about is you want to make money not a taboo subject. And it's so funny because I feel like because I'm in the person in finance space and I talk about money a lot, it's not taboo to me personally because I talk about it, right? But I do see how, you know, in the general world, when I step out of this bubble, this personal finance bubble and all the people that I follow that talk about personal finance that In the real world, maybe with friends and family and other people, that they're not really talking about something that is so important, something that ties us all together, which is money. So how can we start changing that through conversations with family and friends? Yeah, I mean, that is really my big mission and something that I'm really trying to push a lot of different projects forward to do what I can do my part in helping to break that taboo. I think it's just we've grown up with this social norm of money scary, money stressful, money makes people fight. We need a lot of money in order to be happy. Like all of these different taboos that just they're almost like built in when we're born. And then you complicate that with whether it's our parents or the school system or college or whatever it may be. We're not learning about personal finance anywhere. We're just having to figure this all out on our own. And I find that when I'm working with people, usually one of the first things out of their mouth will be some sort of statement about how guilty they feel about whatever situation they're in, good or bad, or also, oh, I bet you have never had this experience with someone, you know, and then of course I'm laughing because I have. I think if people talked about money more often, and you know, you don't have to share all the nitty gritty details, but just be able to have it be a conversation that you can share maybe with your closest friends, certainly with anybody you're in a relationship with. The struggles and also the successes, I think we start to break down those walls and that fear and that stigma around money. And it's just going to take a lot of small steps in order for us to feel comfortable doing that. But it's a topic that is ingrained in everything that we do. So it's really hard to avoid the money subject. I really feel like if it was something that we could sit around the dinner table with our girlfriends or whoever we're out with, and it can at least be a subject that is approachable and not such a stigma attached to it, I feel like we could really start to maybe break down those walls. Totally, totally agree. And I think 
people think sometimes they're the only one going through something or they have this shame around it, not realizing that the person next to you, your friend is actually going through the same exact thing. Or what I find is the questions, like it's okay to ask questions. Nothing is too dumb. I know it's very cliche, but because people are afraid to maybe sound or seem silly or stupid, they don't ask the questions, whether that is to your friends or family or to the bank teller or to the person that is dealing with your finances or to your accountant. You'd be surprised how many people just don't ask the questions that come up in their heads because they don't want to seem like they don't know anything. Yeah, for sure. And you nailed it. I think if we shared these stories about us in an open way, we'd see that we're all so much more alike than we are different. Right. One of the things I really, really wanted to talk about with you is creating a financial plan, because this is something that you do help your clients with. And I get asked this question a lot. So someone will come to me and I'm not a financial planner, but I do help people more with mindset and budgeting and setting goals, which is also very important. But how can one, maybe before they reach that step to want to hire a financial planner or they're not ready or it's just not something they want to do, how can someone start to create their own financial plan? What would make up a comprehensive financial plan for someone? I'll start off with saying the benefit of working with a certified financial planner or anybody who's a financial planner is just that it's an extra set of eyeballs that can sometimes see between the lines. But if you're thinking about how can I put this together myself? It's really about pulling a lot of things apart in pieces and then looking at those pieces and finding out how do those pieces then help propel you forward towards those goals that you want to achieve. And I think goal planning is so critical. And again, it feels like one of these foundational elements, but it really is the thing that gives direction to your finances. If your idea for your life is you want to live in a small town and maybe earning, I don't know, $70,000 a year is all you need to earn to live that lifestyle, your plan is going to look very different than somebody who wants to live in New York or LA. And to buy a house, they've got to add $500,000 to a million dollars. And those plans are going to look very different. So I think you have to start with what is my vision for my life? What do I want it to look like? As tangible as you can possibly get. Now, of course, there's going to be a million things that come up in life that kind of throw that plan off, but you have to have that vision for what you want to to look like. What is enough for you? And that's where you start. And then from there, it's looking at all of these different areas of your finances. So it's looking at your budgeting. Is that something you're doing every month? Are you tracking your realistic, your reality of your expenses? Where are the patterns that are merging? And the reason, again, you're doing that is because you're trying to find the most efficient way to manage your money so that you can put whatever you need to towards those goals. From there, then it's looking at, okay, look, let's look at my investments. You know, am I in a 401k at work? Am I contributing up to the match? Could I up my percentage in my 401k? If I don't have a 401k, do I have a Roth or IRA? What are the fees in those accounts? Are those fees dragging down the account? So it's, looking at all of those different elements. And then we have the risk side of things. Are there any risks that I am potentially exposed to? Do I need to look at life insurance or disability insurance or long-term care? Or is my car insurance not the right car insurance for me? Do I have homeowner's insurance? Do I have 
renter's insurance, all of those different risks, where are the areas where I have some exposure and do I need to either change what I have or find something to fit that exposure? So those are some of the three main categories that I would say probably are your best to start with. But of course, it all comes back to what are your goals? Because that's the roadmap for all of these things. I think we read a lot of articles and we could say like, oh, you should always put more money into your 401k. And while that's a good thing, you might have different goals that come out in that particular year where maybe you need to back off the 401k just a little bit in order to achieve those other goals. So it becomes really individualized, but the key is to pull everything apart and look at it in its separate pieces and then put that together and say, okay, does all of this help propel me towards those goals? Mm -hmm. So it's almost like you start with the end in mind, the big picture, like you mentioned, and then drill down into each of these buckets to make sure that they're assisting you in reaching those goals. Yep, absolutely. And what I like that you mentioned is that, so it, the financial plan also needs to be flexible. So what you might maybe decide a year ago or a couple years previously may not be what you want to do at the moment. So for example, I totally get what you say when you talk about maybe someone's investing a lot or putting a lot to a 401k and then they have a change of goals in a particular year which kind of feels like what I'm doing in my life right now because my husband and I, we are aggressive investors and savers and we were investing a lot into our pre-tax retirement accounts. But because I wanted to create some flexibility in our budget and just to have some more accessible money, we started to now save more money into cash and accessible accounts. But if I were to stay just rigid on, okay, this is like what I, I said I was going to do two years ago and try to stick to that, it wouldn't really fit into my current goals. Yeah, I think that's such a great and powerful story to share because I think that when it comes to personal finance, a lot of times we want like, okay, give me the 10 exact steps I need to follow or the checklist I need to go down. And there's a point where there isn't a checklist because it is so individualized. And that's where really paying attention and focusing on your own situation, not anybody else's. You know, we live in this crazy social media world where I think we can get really off track with our finances, but really focusing on what are my goals? What do I want my life to look like? And then bringing your finances along with it. But yeah, I think everything is like TBD. It's to be determined. You don't know exactly how much you're going to have to save in your retirement. You don't know what's going to come up this year or next year or in a month from now. So everything does need to be flexible with those ultimate goals in mind. Right. And as you just mentioned, the goals. So you might have a goal of buying a house in a particular year or maybe leaving your job or you're having a baby. So it's important to make sure you're looking at your life situation. So other than not being flexible, what are some mistakes or just mishaps people can avoid when thinking of trying to at least start this self kind of started financial plan process? This is a really unpopular one to start with, but I'm going to throw out the B word, the budget word. I think one of the mishaps that you can make is to get under the false impression that just because you wrote out a budget a month ago or a year ago, or maybe you don't even have one, that you have a grasp over your spending. I always tell people that budgets lie. 
And they lie because when you're creating a budget before the beginning of the month, you can basically put down whatever you want. But it's not exactly reality unless at the end of the month you have taken inventory on what you exactly spent that month and you've compared it to your budget, what you thought you were going to spend. When you start to do that, you can really start to see these patterns that emerge in your spending. And then you have two choices. Either you keep spending that way, or maybe you make some sort of goal around a particular category, whether it's eating out or clothes shopping, whatever it may be for you, and try to redirect some of that money into your other goals. So I think that's definitely one mishap that I see. I mean, it's almost universal and it's a really, really powerful one. I think the other thing is, I know a lot of your listeners are young. Certainly a lot of listeners on my podcast are young. And when you're young, you think you're invincible. Nothing can happen to you. So you tend to ignore any areas of risk that might exist in your life. For instance, this is one that I see a lot of people struggle with is nowadays, a lot of our healthcare plans have really high deductibles really high out-of-pocket maxes. If something were to happen to you and you had to go to the hospital and have a surgery, or even if you just broke a leg or something like that, you could be looking at a $1,000 plus medical bill. And a lot of us just don't have savings sitting around. And so a lot of those things I think can really derail your finances, especially when you're young and you're building. So I think really thinking about beefing up your emergency fund, whatever you want to call it, some sort of cash stash where you could utilize that money, not have to go to debt when an emergency comes up. And then again, any other areas of exposure that you have. I think the last taboo, that's so many I could probably talk about, but I think one of the other ones that I see a lot is we tended to think that money is just a purely mathematical game. You know, it's just math, the numbers add up, but there is this psychological element to money and your finances that we tend to ignore. And it's so powerful. So I always do this exercise with people where I have them write down maybe all of the things in their past that they've been ashamed of when it comes to money. And everybody has something that they just don't feel proud of. A silly process of just either lighting that piece of paper on a fire or tearing it up or something like that and visually being done with those past mistakes. Because if we can't put the past behind us, as cliche as it may sound, we can't get our mind in the frame of mind that we need it to be in in order for us to think clearly about our finances and move forward in the direction that we want to go. Mm, you brought up so many good points, but this last one is really, I think, important, like you said, because a lot of the money stories that we tell ourselves, our identity that we have with our money stem from how we were raised or maybe the community or in the environment that we were brought up in and currently are in that actually shape our habits with money. And so it's super important to dig deep down and really think about, okay, why do I spend the way I spend or Why do I want the things I want? I find it very interesting that I am so not against luxury items. I used to, in my 20s, I've bought a number of luxury items. (laughs) Not as much anymore because my goals are a little bit different. But I find it very interesting because there are some people who really buy luxury items because they just like it, which again, no judgment here. 
But I do believe there is a segment of the population who really doesn't even know why they want the luxury things. They want it because it looks good. But if you ask them maybe what actually made this product so nice or why it was something that they wanted, they really couldn't answer it. Other than boosting my ego, it just looks good and makes me feel important to other people. So what I guess I should ask your thoughts on that. How does one then kind of decide, okay, this is my money story that I tell myself. These are my money habits, but are they real to me or are they just something that I'm doing to fit in? Like, is there some way for someone to differentiate that? I mean, it's such a tough process and you're probably going to have to go through that process a few times in your life as life changes and things look different to you. You might rid yourself of some of those financial mishaps or insecurities. And then a couple years later, you might find them like bubbling up to the surface again. So I think it's just all through the lens of maybe why am I making these purchases? If it makes me feel good, okay, great. Can I legitimately afford these purchases? If I buy this purchase, is it going to inhibit my ability to meet these other goals that I have? Or am I buying these things either out of competition or maybe there's something that I don't feel good about myself and this process of buying something makes me feel better? Is that putting me in debt? So I think it's just really asking those tough questions of yourself and being willing to be honest with yourself and maybe make some changes if you can't afford them or if buying that item doesn't fulfill whatever you feel maybe is missing in your life. Right. And actually, let's just talk a little bit more personally about you. And maybe I know you mentioned that you yourself still had to learn, even though you grew up around your father, who obviously had some expertise or was an expert in finance, you still had to learn some things on your own. So what were just some of the mistakes you've learned or you made along the way and what you've learned from them? (laughs) Wow. Uh, We don't have long enough on this podcast. (laughs) I am always full disclosure that I'm a certified financial planner, but like most certified financial planners who are experts, we've also made our fair share of mishaps or mistakes. So there's nobody that is immune to this. Out of college, I did really well. I was saving a lot of money. I bought a house pretty early on in my 20s. Unfortunately, I got divorced very, very early in my 30s and financially devastated me. My ex-husband wasn't working at the time. And so California law, everything is a 50-50 split unless you negotiate otherwise. And because he wasn't working, I was potentially going to have to pay a lot of money to him in spousal support, which I just didn't want to do. And so It was a tough process of looking at the numbers and figuring out, okay, if I gave away basically everything that I had built up into that point, I would have my freedom and also the ability to not have to pay him for a very long period of time. And that was a tough, very tough time for me. It took me a lot of time to actually rebuild from that and come back from that. So that's definitely one of the big markers in my life. Other than that, I've been an entrepreneur pretty much my entire career and being an entrepreneur is great. There are a lot of perks to it, but it can be a really tough path. A lot of times you have to make tough choices about investing money back into your business that you would rather use towards a goal or going on vacation or paying off debt. Um, 
it's not the easiest road to take for sure. It's one that I love, but there can be a lot of tricky bits in there and not always times where you make the best decision. You make a decision and then go, oh, I probably should have done that a little bit differently, but it's too late. The decision's made. So the biggest lessons that I have learned is just that you can plan all you want and you can prepare all you want. There are a lot of things in life that you just can't plan for. I see a lot of people who think that they have it made, everything's perfect. And then, you know, the spouse who makes more money or the person who makes more money gets laid off. And suddenly there is a ginormous gap in income and you have to make really tough choices. And I think there are just a lot of things in life like that that come up and it's not a black and white decision. And sometimes your decisions of what to do with your finances, the A and B choice are not very good choices, you know, and I've just had a lot of those experiences in my life. And I try to be really honest about that and share those stories with people. Mm, those are great lessons that you've learned along the way. And this actually might need to be like a whole another episode or podcast topic. But you brought up the topic of unfortunately, you had to go through a divorce and you had to give up a lot of what you built previously. So do you recommend like if a client comes to you, they're maybe not married yet, or they are thinking about it? Do you recommend that clients or people do get prenups regardless of what they think? their love life will turn out to be together since with your experience, do you recommend that? Yeah. You know, I'm so on the fence when it comes to a prenup because I think it's a completely personal decision with yourself or with you and your potential spouse. So never going to say it's a wrong decision for sure. I've seen a lot of people with prenups though, when they go through divorce, the prenup basically gets shredded and it's kind of anybody's ball game. I've seen prenups where they've worked beautifully and everybody splits down the line according to the prenup. It's a really individual decision and prenup or no prenup, going through a divorce is a very expensive transaction and one that you just can't properly prepare for. Even the breast prenup, still there are costs and there's a huge emotional toll too that goes along with it. Mm, yeah, that's a good point. Like the emotional cost, I'm sure sometimes it's no matter what outweighs just that financial hit. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, Shauna, I want to just thank you so much for coming on and sharing your background and all this great insight. And I really think this episode would be helpful for people. Where can people find out more about you if they want to learn what's going on and hear your podcast? Thank you so much for having me as a guest on the show. It's been so much fun to talk about money with another money expert. You can follow me on Millennial Money Podcast. You can find me on iTunes or any of the other podcast players. We would absolutely love to have your listeners as listeners on our podcast as well. And you can head on over to my website, shaunagame.com to check out past episodes and all the other goodies that we have over there. Okay, Shauna, thank you so much for coming on and sharing all your knowledge and information. Hope you guys enjoyed that chat with Shauna. As I mentioned, go check out journeytolaunch.com slash episode 50 to connect with Shauna more to see where you can find her. Make sure you go listen to her podcast, Millennial Money, and more. 
Now for just some personal updates, some general updates about Journey to Launch. It's been a really, really fun but busy time. Not only am I working on Journey to Launch, but I do have a new baby. She is about, when this episode comes out, seven weeks old. And then I have my two littles, Zach and Luke. So they're four and two, and it's birthday season because everyone's born in May and June. So as you can tell, it's a crazy time. And I've really been trying to balance and not push myself too hard, but I'm very committed to making sure episodes come out on time. And I'm committed to making sure that at least for a year straight, every Wednesday morning, you could depend that there'd be an episode. And I'm excited to report that that's most likely going to happen because this is episode 50. We got a couple more until the year mark that this has been out. And so I've never missed an episode. I'm really excited and proud of myself because despite everything that's been going on, being pregnant, working, the commute that I had while I was working, being on maternity leave per se. So I didn't take that time off. My daughter was born May 1st, but I made sure I had all the episodes recorded for May and June. So that way I wouldn't have to stress myself out or worry about it. And I was hustling. I was hustling before she was born to make that happen. And I am seeing the fruits of my labor. Right now, I think this year for me is really a visibility and growth and foundational year. I think this is the year that I'm laying what will be the foundation of my business, what will make it a success. And a lot of that is you. A lot of it is connecting with you, my listeners, with you, my journeyers. And if you follow me on social media, if you're in my Facebook group, if you're on my newsletter list, you know that I really make it a priority to connect with you. So if you send me a message, you send me an email or you respond to an email that I send out because I send out weekly emails and I've never missed a weekly email either since I started to let you know what's going on. So if you respond to an email I send out, I usually respond. And if I haven't responded yet, it's just because I haven't gotten to it. But that's to show you that really I understand the importance of community. I understand that what makes this show other than the content and myself and the guest is you. And so I, I really want, I really put value into that. And I'm just so excited about where we've come as a community and just where we are going. I'm super excited about all the events and things I'm scheduled to do for the next couple of months. One of them is that if you're listening to this in real time, so this comes out on June 20th. Yesterday, I did a live Yahoo Finance and Huffington Post live chat about student loans. And so you'll be able to see that. I put the link in the episode show notes. I'll also put it in my newsletter if you're on my newsletter. And then on my social media, I'll be putting links to that if you were not able to catch it live. Then on July 12th, I'm doing a panel, a Q&A with Vicki Robin, author of Your Money or Your Life. She also was on episode 39 of the podcast. Farnoosh Tarabi, she'll also be on the panel. She is the host of the very popular So Money podcast, which I love. And Elizabeth O'Brien, she is a writer at Money Magazine. And she actually wrote the article on me. She profiled my story for Money Magazine. So we're all going to be doing a panel together on July 12th in New York City. Tickets may still be available. I hope they are. I know they're going really fast. So if you're interested in that, the ticket link will also be in the episode show notes. If you are local and you want to come by and see us, 
But how exciting and amazing is that lineup? And then I'm on it. I'm included. Then I'll be going to podcast movement later in July. That's in Philadelphia from the 24th to the 26th. And then, of course, FinCon, September 26th to 29th. As I said, it's been a crazy, crazy ride, but I've been enjoying every minute of it. In fact, as I'm talking, baby girl is sleeping (laughs) and I'm just praying she doesn't wake up. But this is how I get things done, guys. So I know a lot of you are aspiring business owners and side hustlers and you're doing your own thing. Maybe you want to come out with a podcast, you have a blog and you have a lot of things going on in your life and you're wondering how to make it work. You can make it work if you want it bad enough. And so I'm encouraging you to keep going after your dreams because you just never know where you end up. You might end up on a panel one day with me. (laughs) Okay, so I want to invite you to sign up for the membership that I'm going to be launching in a couple months. So if you like the content, if you like me, if you like what I'm sharing, what I'm teaching, I'm going to be diving deeper in a membership model because I do believe that's a better way to connect and teach. Podcasts are great. I know you're getting a lot of information and inspiration from this, but let's move you to action. Let's get you to understand the concepts even better. And I've going to do that through the membership program, which you can find out more information and be on the list when it launches. I'm doing a soft launch in a couple months. You can find out what that's all about. If you go to journeytolaunch.com slash membership, that puts you on the wait list just to get notified about what's going on and you won't miss a thing. I'll be doing a Q&A podcast soon. So I want to know your questions, your personal finance questions that you want me to answer on the podcast, or if you have a general question for me about my journey, what's been going on, you can ask that too. So send your questions in. You can DM me on any of the social channels that you follow me on. You can email Jamila at journeytolaunch.com or send me a voicemail so you can actually hear your voice on the podcast. Wouldn't that be cool? You can go to journeytolaunch.com slash voicemail to leave your voicemail and you might hear your question answered on the podcast. All right, so until next time, keep on journeying, journeyers. Bye. Bye.